Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here is your host, Sarah Blackhurst. Hi, welcome back to another edition of Making Action Happen with Action 22. I have been really excited about this show. Uh, My guest today is Brian McCain. He's returning to the show again. We decided to depart from our usual format of talking about issues and bring you a little bit of a Halloween treat. Uh, Brian has a, a great reputation for having all these really great stories. And so what we decided to do today was to talk to you a little bit about the spooky but true stories from around the Action 22 area in Southern Colorado. He's prepared some things that will shock and amaze you. Some of our listeners will vaguely remember some of these things. And some of you might even have been a witness or have been a part of this story. So if you have been a witness or been a part of the story, go ahead and email um, or call in. You'll have an opportunity in a little bit. But for now, I'm going to turn it over to Brian, who's going to have some really great things. I'm so excited about this. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Um, so basically, we were just kind of talking about, you know, Pueblo, the area for Action 22. And there's a lot of weird stuff that happens over here, just like any small town in America. So I put together a collection of urban legends, stories, kind of out there things. Um, a lot of this is word of mouth. So, you know, my dad told me the story that his friend in high school told him type stuff. And there's a few that have actually been verified and you can find on the internet or they've written books about. So um, just looking at the area of action 22, um, obviously we have Pueblo and Colorado Springs that have their share. And then you have the Valley area that's there's a lot down there going back over the years. But the first one I would like to start with is the strange case of Bridie Murphy right here in Pueblo. So I actually heard this story from, I think my uncle originally, and then in college we learned about it in a psychology class or something like that. And what it was is back in 1952, um, there was a young housewife named Virginia Ty, or Ty, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And we had an affluential uh, businessman here in Pueblo called Maury, Maury Bernstein. And at the time, you know, dinner parties, you would have your friends over, you would, you know, drink, dance, maybe listen to a record. But hypnotism was kind of the new fad. Um, and he, he was interested in it and he wanted to like hypnotize somebody. And the way I heard it, and this is probably wrong. And again, there's actually books written about this. You could go to the convention center in Pueblo and they actually have a display on the wall that talks about it. So he was getting people and certain people were more susceptible to hypnotism. So he'd find somebody and that was Virginia and he hypnotized her. And what they do, it's if you ever go to like a, a sideshow act or the state fair or comedy show, you know, they, they hypnotize you and say like, act like a chicken and you're up there acting like a chicken um, or act like a baby, you know, act like a little kid. So he would talk to her, say like, all right, I want you to go back to when you were a kid, act like a kid. You know, and she was like, oh, I want my mom. I want my mom. Where's mom? And, you know, they're kind of having a laugh. And he's like, go back even further. Um, 
you're a baby and she starts crying like a baby and you know they're getting a kick out of it but then he thinks and it had been in the back of his mind and he was a believer that you know people were reincarnated so he told her to go back before she was a baby and um she started to tell the story about she was a 19th century irish housewife named bridie murphy murphy who had been dead for a hundred years um, she started telling stories of, you know, growing up in Ireland and naming people. And this just kind of blew his mind. It's like, well, this is absolute evidence that, you know, we're reincarnated and, right. and you can remember it through hypnosis. Um, so, yeah, of course, he wrote a book and the story started to, to get traction. I think the Denver posted three sets of articles on it. So and, who, were, who was writing the book? Um, he did. Okay. Um, yeah, that was Bernstein or Bernstein, oh, okay. however you say it. Um, he actually the book that he wrote was the search for Bridie Murphy, which you can find still. I think I pulled it up on Amazon last night. Um, and it went into this, and he he did he he did the investigation, and other scientists, quote unquote, came in, and they they tried to verify that Bridie Murphy was a real person. Um, and Virginia Tai, the interesting thing is she didn't really believe it. So, and so the, the person who was hypnotized yes, didn't really believe it she did when it, they told her that she had started to act like this. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, she believed that she said it, but she didn't believe she was reincarnated. Um, okay. And, and she never came out in support of it. In fact, in the book, um, she asked that uh, he use a different name. So oh, she's okay. a different name in the book. And then, interestingly enough, like at the end of her life, when she passed away, she said she regretted laying down to get hypnotized. She oh, yeah. kind of ruined her life. Um, but anyway, there, there was a lot of skepticism in it. And um, the investigators, you know, they, they went back and, of course, they found that um, she grew up in, I think it was Chicago. And her neighbor made a name was Murphy and you know, was probably telling her stories as a kid of like growing up in Ireland. Um, but she had no memory of this. So at the same time, the scientists were kind of like, well, you can learn stuff, hear stuff as a kid, and you may not even remember it, but through hypnotism, it was bringing this about. Oh, yeah. um, so that's interesting too, just how strong the mind is. But on the other side of it, the investigators were like, well, she never knew her name. You know, how did she know? It was her maiden name was Murphy, her, oh. the person in Chicago. And, you know, how would she know her name? Like, she really is reincarnated. So they, they leave it out there. Like, yeah. maybe maybe it is maybe real. The, maybe, yeah. maybe it's not. But <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because, it, it, you know, you, you watch the shows or you read the books and it's, you know, past life regression and you're hypnotized and you can remember your past life. Um, that all started here in Pueblo. And That's crazy. But one of those weird historical things, have you ever seen anybody hypnotized before? I have. I, I saw it once. They did it at, when we were in college, my mm -hmm. freshman year of college. And it was crazy. Um, and it was crazy, like kind of who was susceptible to it and who was it. But they didn't get into any past life things. But yeah, that's so. Yeah. But how funny that that was born here in Pueblo. That theory. Yep. Yeah, it, it was. And um, I think in Pueblo we have enough weird stories that people forget that that came from here. But <laughs> that, that, um, it, there's a lot of stuff that comes from Pueblo that you know. Even working in Washington D.C., 
you'd be surprised in like how many people you run into on like Capitol Hill are like, oh, you're from Pueblo. I'm from Pueblo. Or my mom's from Pueblo. Oh, I yeah. lived in Pueblo. So this isn't certainly the weirdest story. No, no. So you started off light. Yeah, that, that's light. Um, okay. Because it, it's a fun story. And again, I learned about it in school and it, and it's interesting. And, and it also <laughs> got into, it, it's more scientifically, um, it got into Cryptonesia where they started to realize that you can string together stories that you think are real from bits and pieces of stories that you may not remember. So it's kind of like creating a false memory, which they studied that, you know, maybe she heard this as a kid and she's stringing this together and making a story thinking it's real, not even knowing she heard it. So that, that the study of that actually came out of this um, when they really started to study it. And that even ties into like eyewitness accounts, you, right. know, um, you witness a crime. Um, the cops talk to you two weeks later what you remember is probably not what actually happened. So I'm going to pause here and say, um, let everybody know what school you were in when, cause this isn't like a high school thing. You were actually, Oh, this, this was in um, high school. Oh, this was, yeah, in which high actually school? ties into another story. Uh, later. Oh on. my gosh. So, okay. Here we go. Uh, um, but, but sticking with Pueblo, um, up by the library on, um, Abriendo, the main library kind of at the top of Union Avenue. Um, I think it's, uh, it's either Colorado or Broadway. I can't remember, but there's a, a historic fire station there. Okay. Um, you'll see it's right next to, I think, a liquor store. There's a little cafe. Right. Um, but it's, and also the Mason Lodge is kind right, of connected right, right. to it and a mortuary of all things. And um, I can't remember if it's Colorado or Broadway either, but yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so this firefighter museum it's now a museum is supposedly like one of the most haunted spots in Pueblo um I believe one of the reality show ghost investigators or whatever came and did a an episode there a couple of years ago but I I don't really buy into those shows and the whole ghost thing it's like I've never seen anything um as far as ghosts go or anything like that but my um a family member was a firefighter here in Pueblo and he's not one to believe in ghosts okay. at all. And I, I won't say his name or what his right, position was. Right. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but <laughs> he swears to this day that they had it opened up and they have this um, antique fire truck in it. It's pretty cool. They, you know, pull it out for the parades. It's like from the thirties right. or forties or whatever. Right. And he said, and there's like multiple witnesses of this, that they opened the garage door and they were cleaning out and the fire truck pulled out of the fire station and went all the way around the block and pulled back into the fire station with nobody driving. Uh-uh. And I'm like, come on, like that didn't happen. He's like, no, I swear it happened. He even called up people that were there and they're like, that's exactly what happened. Oh my gosh. And it, like broad daylight, it just, door was open, fire truck drove out and went around the block. And it's the old, it's the old one that they use in the parades and stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So um, it, hopefully I'm getting that right, but that's what he told me. And <laughs> I, and he, he usually doesn't exaggerate these things. So. Yeah. No, these, these uh, public firefighters are stoic. Yes. They're not, they're not ones to, to make yeah. stuff up. So those are, you know, you can find those on the internet. Those are kind of well-known stories around here. Um, but there's a few other ones. So my, my dad is a retired sheriff's officer from here in Pueblo. And I, I went up 
to the mountains with him the other day. And I was like, what's some like really creepy stuff. He grew up here and, um, and also being a cop for, you know, over two decades. And he brought up the blue lights of Pueblo, which for the life of me, I could not find anything online. Um, they, they include it in the ghost walk, some of these stories, right. but there's nothing else out there. It's all word of mouth. So they actually made a movie of it in the eighties. It's the, the curse of the blue lights. And I, and I, it's based off of two Pueblo urban legends. And um, from what he told me and what I've heard from other people, um, there was an area in Pueblo or it could have also been Silvercliff because Silvercliff has a similar story. Okay. And you know, these get mixed up over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that you could go out and this, this dates back to the 1800s. Like there, there's a spot, there's an old mine, um, a place maybe in the mountains or off the road that you could see blue lights. And at this place, of course, teenagers back in the day in the, you know, 60s and 70s, right. they would go to these places and park their car and make out a little bit. Sure, and, sure. You know, the, the guy taking you to the spooky right, place. Right, right. Um, I've never done that myself. No, but. me neither. Um, anyway, so uh, the t- two teenagers went out there and they saw the lights and they got really bright. And it, again, like how do you know this happened if they're both missing after this? But anyway, right. that's uh, the beauty of urban legends. And um, I think one of them got out to investigate and then he just disappeared. Just gone. Just gone. Disappeared. And two, two I've heard is the girl got out to find him and couldn't find him. And he was just gone. The other one was that he was badly murdered and, and you know, and she ran back. But then she was later killed in the story as well. And again, like, how would you know how this happened? You, if Unless did? you just found the body yes, or yes. the car and it was yeah. an unsolved mystery. Yeah. So, and that's probably what, if, if it happened, that's really what happened. They probably found it. Um, and then also on Silvercliff, there's an old mine where even from the mining days, they said they would see these lights come out of the ground and dance around. Um, some of the people said they were fairies and they were angry that they were mining. Um, and even to this day, people go and see these lights. Like there's still reports like, lights. message boards where they'll see these weird lights around the ground. So do you think they're, they're by mines and do you see, is that usually happening by a mine? And do you think it's something radioactive or? Could be, I don't know, or it could be ghosts or it could, it could be, be angry or it could spirits. Be angry fairies. Or angry fairies. I um, like that idea of angry fairies. Now, my personal favorite urban legend from Pueblo. Um, and there's actually a book written about it and I could not find it is the legend of the pig man. So <laughs> I grew up by city park. Um, my grandma lived there and then, you know, we, we bought my grandma's house, moved in there. So I've been around city park my whole life. Right. And, um, supposedly there was a pig farmer and he lived with his brother and his brother had an appetite. And he couldn't feed his brother anymore. So the pig farmer was mad at his brother. And he did what I guess pig time pig farmers in the old times did. And he killed his brother, fed him to the pigs. Ew. Ew. And um, then the man just was like very bitter. And the thing about him was they called him pig man because he looked like a pig. So he had, you know piggish features the farmer did the farmer did okay 
And, you know, everybody avoided him and he became really angry and he would chase kids out of city parks. So, you know, families would go in there and at night, pig man would come out and chase you out of city park oh gosh. with an ax. And, you know, if he caught you, you know, don't get caught by pig man because he's going to chop you up and feed him to his pigs. So growing up by city park, that's everybody over there was like, watch out for pig man. Cause as kids, we would sneak out at night and go to city park. Right. And, you know, right. Do kid and do nothing. Games. Yeah. Do, do nothing. nothing. Just nothing hang around and have, have philosophical conversations. Yes, that's, right. that's what we did. But all the, um, the, the elderly people that lived around there that had been there, like my grandparents from the forties and fifties, they're like, you got to watch out for pig man. Pig man's going to get you. Is he like, is he supposed to still be around? Well, this pig, this murdering brother, murdering his brother pig farmer. So um, I think for some time he was a man and then he probably turned into like a demon pig man. <gasps> So he's still there. I mean, just still. that that is in fact why they close City Park at night because they don't want kids to get eaten and killed by the pig man. That makes sense. That's why, that's why it closes at night. Yeah, that no makes set sense. time. It's just when it it's gets just dark. when it gets dark, it's closed to protect us from the pig man. Pig man. Um, I'm then, not going there at night. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and then also, you know, in, in Pueblo, we're full of tunnels um, everywhere yes. under the building land. And they used all these from for bootlegging to um, there's tunnels under Central High School. Um, my neighbor was a teacher and we had the keys. So we got to go explore the tunnels every now and then. Yeah. And it's a fallout shelter at Central High School. So you have this um, these doors just in the school. You go in and it's a fallout shelter. So it's kind of creepy because it's got all the radioactive signs. So you, so. Have, to, you have to talk a little bit about Central High School yes. before you finish the story because... It's really one of the most interesting yes. high schools. It's got to be one of the more interesting high schools in the country mm-hmm. from an architectural. So give us a little history of that. It's um, got some weird features. Too. Yeah, it, it's been there forever. Um, it's a giant, beautiful building. It looks more like a courthouse than a, right. a school. Um, supposedly, like, when we were in school, they always told us that there used to be an auditorium and it burned down and students died in it. So that's behind the real auditorium. And if you go back there, there's ghosts of the students that died. Um, I looked for that burnt down auditorium behind the real one for four years of my life and never found it. Right, so, right, right, right. Um, but uh, underneath, um, there are tunnels and it is a fallout shelter. And the tunnels supposedly connect to some of the houses. Um, what I've heard is that the teachers and the administrators would live in the houses and they could go to school in the tunnels. Um, but I, I tried to find house doors under there you couldn't find any but there are a lot of tunnels underneath it really and it, yeah and, and it, you've been there oh you've yeah been in them. yeah we've we've i've been in them many times and um like i there was one room that in the tunnel that was just full of shoes like just a room i think they were using it for storage at one point just full of shoes yeah we found another room that was full of like old textbooks and magazines and like what was the, the original purpose of the because it was built it's a hundred years old, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Um, again, um, this, the reason I heard about it, that the reason why the tunnels were built um, was so the staff and teachers can go to school from their house around it. But I, it, even that doesn't make sense to me. No. But there are tunnels, so it's not like a made-up urban legend. I mean, there's literal tunnels there. Um, Union Avenue, um, mm-hmm. I had a business down there. And just under the shops, I mean, it's just tunnels and tunnels everywhere. And um, 
the the buildings down there are probably everybody says every building is haunted on Union Avenue. Um, <laughs> you know that there was a restaurant that was an old in an old mortuary, and um, as a kid um, going there, my friends worked there. You'd go in the basement to get food, and they were scared to death because they, they said there's ghosts down there and oh, all the yeah. stories of like you know a, a waitress going down to get some whatever from right. some chips out of the, the basement <laughs> of this old mortuary that is now a restaurant and feeling a hand on her shoulder or like, you know, creepy stuff, but unions full of that. And a lot of those tunnels were bootlegging tunnels. Um, as we know, we had a organized crime presence in Pueblo over right. the years in that time. And a lot of those tunnels were sealed off. So it would be interesting if you could open them up and see what you find down there. So there's tunnels out at the state hospital as well. There are. I've actually been in those tunnels yes. when I was younger um, because my dad used to carpool with some people that worked there. Yeah. And so then we would go and they wouldn't let us go very far because we were no. little. They're not going to let you go very no. far. But I wonder if they're all connected. I mean, I'm sure somebody has said that over the years, but it would be pretty hard to connect the state hospital. It'd be really far. hard. But even, even down here, um, Union Avenue, you know, it's higher than it was when a lot of the buildings were built because there was a flood that came in and wiped everything out. Right. So actually, if you go down Union Avenue and you look at the buildings, you'll see the tops of doors at street level. Um, so if you, you go, I think on B Street, maybe it's B Street, might be D or C Street, actually. If you look at one of the buildings there, you'll see door frames that are on the ground. So like just two feet above the sidewalk, there's the top of a door frame. Right. So when it flooded, I think what happened was it, it covered a lot of that up and they kind of built it up from there. And they just used those sort of as a foundation. Yeah. And, and there's been a couple of buildings there that I've been in where there's still doors in the basement that open to nothing. To nothing. Just dirt or cement. There's houses like that though. I've been mm -hmm. in houses that will, doors will open to nothing. Yeah. And I'm always, I don't understand that. I don't know why, like, a, a tunnel is a kind of a labor intensive project. Mm -hmm. um, so that, no, that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of tunnels in Pueblo. Love um, it. And, and then, you know, just, just in the action 22 area alone, I pulled up um, haunted hotels and got about 79 different ones just yes. in, in the surrounding area. You have um, down in the Alamos area. It's like basically every hotel is haunted down there. As far as I can tell. <laughs> Um, you know, La Vida, there's one in La Vida, I think, um, Canyon City, just everywhere. It's, it's hard to pick one because it's like, this hotel's haunted, this hotel's mm -hmm, haunted. Mm -hmm. And all the stories go back, especially with the older ones, it's the mining days and it's like, you know, somebody got in a shootout there, or there was a right. fire, but it, I mean, it's, it's everywhere in this area, which is kind of creepy and cool. Um, and then we'll go north of Pueblo for a minute. So. Colorado Springs, um, one of the more, two, two stories from Springs, um, one of which was uh, they, they saw Bigfoot at the Air Force Academy. I supposedly. heard this. Yeah, the Usafa Yeti, I think they called it. And then um, I also believe that there was a, a Unsolved Mysteries where Garden of the Gods, you know, there was some hikers up there and uh, they heard a noise and came around the corner and Bigfoot chased them down, Garden of the Gods. I think that one's a stretch because it's literally right off the highway and if Bigfoot right. was stomping around, you probably would have got hit by a car eventually. Yeah. But yeah. that's what they say. 
They might be true. Well, there's some areas that because of the Air Force Academy and because of um, of uh, NORAD and some, mm-hmm. there are places up there that are blocked off. Yes. That people can't get to. But yes. still. Um, so that actually could go on a while for spring. So um, in my time in the military, I, w- I was stationed in Springs for a little bit, worked out of there. Um, and I was on the Air Force Academy and the, the rumor amongst the, the Air Force personnel is that there's a secret tram system built underneath Colorado Springs that would go from the Air Force Academy to Peterson Air Force Base to NORAD. What? Um, and the idea was that if um, a president or somebody higher up um, were to be in Springs, so first off, you have NORAD, which right. is the the not so secret base in the middle of the mountain that goes in, you know, it's a mile. I, um, I've been in there before, but um, my grandpa actually used to work there. I took a tour of it when I was a kid. And then later in my career, got to visit a few times, but you know, it's just like the movies, this door, you go through like a mile of rock or whatever. And then there's buildings under the mountain. There's um, there's a lake of water. There's a lake of diesel fuel. There's three lakes. And if they have to seal up, they have enough diesel fuel to power them for years or whatever it is. Right. Um, and then they're drinking water and stuff. Um, but the, the idea was that, say, a president had to be evacuated to NORAD. Uh-huh. He would land at Peterson Air Force Base. Oh. And then they could rush him underground yeah. in, in a, a train that would go to NORAD and he'd be safe. Or if a president was staying in Colorado Springs, um, generally which honestly I don't think they do, but it's set up this way. Um, I'm sure it has, but I don't know if they stay there, but at the Air Force Academy, there is a hotel oh. and they have a, a presidential suite that's made for a president to stay at or a vice president or a high ranking government official. And so if they were in there and something happened then they could be rushed down to the tunnel, the train system and oh. go to NORAD from the Air Force Academy. Now I, I had pretty free reign when I was at the Air Force Academy looking at stuff and I never found the tunnels. Okay. But there's some weird stuff there. Um, some weird stuff at the yeah, Air Force Yeah, there, there's everywhere on these military bases, you know, old projects like Cold War projects that they just kind of lock up in a room and never revisit again. And, yeah. Um, it, it's stories. There's always stories, especially the military. It's like, well, a guy I was with here, he told me the story about this happening. And, and, um, and, and NORAD, ironically, NORAD, which you think would have the craziest stories coming out of it, it's like, secret you know aliens are in the right. mountain or whatever um there's really not much there's not much <laughs> most of the people that work there is like it's kind of boring but we i, I think they have a pizza hut in it or something like that. so um <laughs> but it, when my grandpa worked there um it, it was it, it was during the cold war and you know it was 50 50 male and female in case oh, they had to yeah. shut down oh my gosh you know yeah. so so yeah some interesting so stories. before we're going to go to break in just a couple minutes let's talk about the air force academy um, tell me like two of the things that you were really like, this is, this is just weird. I don't know why, but this is just weird. Um, so, I mean, I understood what this was, but the, one of the guys I was with didn't. So we were, uh, they train in Jack's Valley. The cadets do like a survival class. Oh yeah. Stuff. Um, it's two weeks long. I think it may be longer or shorter. Now. I don't know, but they had it all mocked up for, uh, um, you know, captured, you know, prisoner of war stuff, okay. run them through the drills. It's nowhere as intense as it sounds, but 
uh, we had somebody with us and he's like, what is that? You know, like, that's like a communist prison there. And you have, you know, Russian flags oh, and like all yeah. this stuff. And like, oh, they're just training. It's training. Yeah. But then people were seeing the op four guys dressed like, you know, everything from terrorists to Russians going in. And I, I remember one day that there was some people when it was open back up to the public, they're like looking over there and they're like, there's Russians here on the Air Force Academy. Like, no, no, no. They're just playing the part for yeah. the, <laughs> the exercise and stuff but some of that stuff is, is creative and weird and then um one one other i'll get to it when we get back from break okay actually. okay so. um because it's going to be it's going to be a good story i can tell um so this is uh we're going to go to break in just a second but uh, you're listening to making action happen the action 22 we've got brian mccain um here uh when we come back from the break he has um some more stories um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Air Force Academy. We're going to talk a little bit about some crazy stuff. The San Luis Valley has got some crazy stuff yeah, down there. That's the um, those are the some of the best stories. Um, you're listening to Making Action Happen on the Voice America Network. Thanks. We'll return in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen. Welcome back to Making Action Happen. I've got Brian McCain here with me, and he is telling us some of the best and spooky and bizarre stories of the Action 22 region. We were just talking about the Air Force Academy, so there's one story he wants to tell us about that, and then we'll have some other stories. So, 
Air Force Academy. All right. So actually, this was not at the Air Force Academy, but I learned about it through the Air Force Academy. So in Colorado Springs, they have the gold camp tunnels that are supposedly haunted. And um, as a dare, you know, uh, all the the young airmen and probably the cadets too, it's like there's these tunnels in Springs, gold camp tunnels. Um, I think there's three tunnels, uh, one of which you can drive in. The third one is supposed to be the really haunted one. And there's a million different stories where it collapsed and killed a bunch of people in the 1800s. There's the more recent story was a school bus was going through it and it collapsed. And of course, all the children unfortunately passed away. And then the driver lived and he just stayed in there and died and now he haunts it. Right. But, um, the, the dare was, you know, go there on your night off at midnight and try to get in the tunnels. And I never experienced anything there, but multiple stories of going to one of the tunnels that you can actually drive in still. Um, you go in and you turn off your car lights. And then when you come out, there'll be handprints on your car. You can hear kids running around it. And some people I was in the military with in the Air Force would swear, you like swore up and down it happened to them. They had handprints on their the car? handprints of children on their car. <gasps> um, and then another guy once said he was looking in the tunnel and saw somebody at the end of it, like shining a light in and saw somebody walking around and went in to try to find him and nobody was there. <sighs> and then some of the more scary ones was um, they said they walked in the tunnel and they felt people pulling on them. And, um, and this young airman who was very impressionable at the time, he said that he had scratches on his arm from a ghost. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, or it could have been his friends messing with him. But I've never done you that know, either. Yeah. You know, uh, so th- there's that. Colorado Springs has, you know, plenty of weird stuff, too. But I think the crown jewel of the Action 22 area is the San Luis Valley. Um, now, as anybody that's familiar with the valley knows that there is a history of cattle mutilations. There. Yes. Uh, depending on who you ask, September 27th, 1967, the famous, the first one that kicked it off was Snippy the Horse. Um, it was a, a horse, I believe it was a, uh, I have notes on this, um, an Appaloosa named Lady, nicknamed Snippy, was a creature of habit. Harry King was the caregiver. Okay. Um, he was very concerned when she didn't come to the uh, fence to get water or uh-huh. eat or whatever at some point. So he lived with his mom and he went out looking for the, the horse. He found the horse, he found mm-hmm. Snippy the horse. The horse was lying on her side with her head stripped bare to the bone. He said the precision cuts on the flank couldn't have come from a coyote or even a pack of them. And that there was a strong chemical smell akin to acetone. That lingered in the air. Um, of course, he called a, a friend. He called law enforcement. You know, they're, they're trying to, to figure out what happened to his horse. Right. Um, so his friends came, and I believe it may have been the sheriff. I know the story has changed over the years, depending on what you read. But um, they walked around the scene. They still smelt that chemical smell on the horse. And the bones appeared to have been exposed to the sun for years, though they had a pinkish, pinkish cast. Yeah. Um, the carcass, although laying exposed for several days, was not bloated, and the smell was not that of decomp- decomposition. There were no predators, no vultures or buzzards like around it eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, even Which though is the weird. yeah, even though supposedly the flesh was still pliable, it wasn't like 
um, didn't start to rot yeah. or, or decompose. Um, the horse's footprints ended about 100 feet from where the remains lay. No other prints were around. Um, they found 15 burns that could be circular exhaust marks. That's what they look like. 100 yards north of the carcass, they found a three-foot bush and bushes within a 10-foot radius of the bush that had been flattened to within 10 inches of the ground. There were six indentations two inches across and six inches deep that formed a circle three feet in diameter. On one of the bushes, they found a gelatin-like green glob or globs and a piece of metal covered with horse hair. After touching these, the, the people that were looking at it, their hands began to burn and it hurt and until they washed them. Like Ew, there was like an like acid on it or something yeah. like that. Um, and then after that, people, some of the residents down there, they started reporting strange phenomena, as they say. Um, like one guy, he was driving his car and said that it was followed by a top-like craft, like a mm -hmm. UFO mm -hmm. followed him. Mm -hmm. um, I think two sheriff's deputies were followed by an orange globe. And then supposedly they were threatened with their jobs if they they were to report it. They would be fired yeah. if they talked about yeah. it. Um, after that, there was a, a doctor that was in the area and he actually got caught trespassing and they asked him what he was doing. And he said he was like a, a blood specialist and like investigated these things. Mm. So the, the law enforcement there, they're like, okay, well, we got something for you. Um, and he examined the horse after that. And he, he claims that the animal's lungs, heart, and thyroid were completely missing and that they were removed with some of the cleanest cuts he had ever seen. The brain and abdominal organs were completely gone, and there was no material in the spinal cord. Ugh. So he, he couldn't explain it. Um, he said at the edges, the skin was a deep black color. Even stranger to him was the lack of blood. Many years later, as an old man, he told a reporter, I've done hundreds of autopsies. You can't cut into a body without getting some blood. So that kind of kicked off the valley. Yeah. Right there. No, this is kind of a famous story, though. Yes. And it wasn't the first of, of the mutilations, right? No, no. And there had been other reported. I think this was the first big one. Um, and then later, um, so this started to happen in other places. So this was not just the valley. I think it was New Mexico was reporting a lot mm -hmm. of this. Um, Kansas had some. And eventually the FBI got involved in the 70s. Oh. So... Um, so I, I believe it was the Denver Bureau of Investigation for the FBI. Um, they put together a task force and the ATF actually did one too in the seventies. Um, and according to their estimates by 1979, it was like 10,000 head of cattle had been mysteriously mutilated. Um, the FBI found that most of them could be explained by predators, um, right. you know, natural causes, but they did acknowledge that there was a large percentage of these, um, which I don't know what large is, probably like 10%, um, contained anomalies that could not be accounted for by conventional wisdom. And they were not able to identify anybody responsible for doing these mutilations. Right. Um, of course, at this time, uh, this was kind of the satanic panic back oh, in the 70s yeah. and 80s. Yep. Yep. So even the FBI, they were saying, well, it's cults doing it. And then some of the, the farmers and ranchers and areas are like, you know, they, they blamed it on everything from UFOs 
to devil worshipers coming right. and sacrificing their animals. Uh, the problem with that is with the, the cults, um, a lot of these happen in very remote areas where if yeah. somebody was in there, you would, everybody would notice, you would know. Um, so for, for our listeners who aren't from the area or, or don't know, um, the San Luis Valley is actually a really kind of interesting place. It is a, um, it's actually a rift. So it's very flat and it's surrounded by um, mountains on either side. Um, and there used to be an inland sea there. Um, but because it's remarkably flat for a huge area um, of the state, um, there's all kinds of legends all that surround it and all those sorts of things. I remember when I was going to school down there, this wasn't the first time I heard about the, the um, mutilations. And then every once in a while, I'd ask a local about it or something. And somebody was relate. everybody was related to somebody who had experienced something like this, but this was the first one that was really very well documented, mm-hmm. especially with all of those things. And nobody was ever been able to figure it out. But I remember being out there and, and seeing lights and seeing weird things happen. You'd have a lot of, um, because it's so flat, you could land a plane. So there was always, you know, stories about, um, uh, you know, just about people coming in really late and landed planes with mm-hmm. illegal cargo. I won't say what, everybody mm-hmm. knows what, but those kinds of things happen. There's some crazy stuff that happens in the Valley. So uh, the Valley is referred to as the Bermuda Triangle of the West. Yes. Uh, just for many reasons alone, um, not just the cattle mutilations. Um, and, and UFO sightings are obviously right. huge in the valley. They have the UFO watchtower that was put up, I think, 20 years ago. So it's an actual watchtower that, um, that this lady put up. And, and the funny thing is she had no interest in UFOs. I think they went down there to ranch and she started seeing them. So she built this watchtower and uh, you can go to it. It's, it's like a, you know, a roadside attraction yeah. and, and it's great. Um, it's fun. Like we take the kids down there all the time yeah. and the family and stuff, but digging into that. So, the, the San Luis Valley has been a hotbed of uh, UFO sightings to black helicopters to right. like weird aircraft flying around. So there's rumors that they use it for, um, you know, experimental test craft or whatever flying that the, the military flies them over. Um, the black helicopters, they always say that after they find a, a cattle or horse mutilated, they see black helicopters flying around the sky. Um, since it's, I think the valley's at, it's pretty high as like 7,000 feet yeah. above sea level. Um, and, and it is in a valley. So there's not a lot of ambient lights. So it's like the nights are super clear there. Yep. Um, so you see a lot of stuff in the skies. So uh, if you want to look at satellites, go to the valley. If you want to look at meteors, go, go to, to the, the valley. valley. Um, and you can see everything in the sky. If you want to get an instant sunburn, go to the yeah, valley. Exactly. Um, you want some great potatoes, go to the valley. Great potatoes. But I'm telling you, when you get over, there's something there. Because as soon as you hit the top of the pass and you start to go down that pass that I could drive in my sleep, you feel there's like a different feeling. There's like some energy yes. there. There's some geologists have done some studies down there there's a lot of groups of different beliefs that settle in the valley yes. from buddhist monks to i mean to just name a name weird a, a fringe a- group or a, a a weird group i don't want to say they're weird um but there's multiple groups of different religions different um, lifestyles that just they settle in the valley it's, yeah it's that's where they go but the ufo sightings um 
I, I don't know the statistics, but it's like 10% of people think they've seen a UFO. It's like in the Valley, it's like 60% of the yeah. people. Um, the New York Times actually dug into it years ago and they were trying to figure out why all these UFO sightings were happening in the Valley. Now, everybody said that it's because the skies are clear. You can see planes, you can see satellites. So a lot of stuff gets mistaken, you know? Yeah. Um, they, you know, they're seeing a plane, but they, it might be UFO or something going on. They also train military. I was going to say, train, I think it's a lot of it is training, but. Well, the UFO sightings in the Valley go back to the 1600s. So settlers that, that settled a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, reported seeing things in the sky constantly. Um, the indigenous peoples and tribes from there also over the years, yeah. prior to America even being a country, have reports of craft in the valley, lights, um, weird things happening. and Ancient alien kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> ancient alien. Not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Um, <laughs> so this isn't new. And that was a lot of it. Like they said, well, it's, you know, in the 60s, they're flying stuff. People are a little paranoid. You know, Russia's going to invade us. There's yeah, nuclear missiles. This predates all of that. Yeah. Like all of it. Um, and then, and then it kind of, so going back to the cattle mutilations, there's some, some other kind of conspiracy theories around it as well. So when the FBI did the investigation, uh, the, the ranchers, and this isn't just in the Valley, this is like New Mexico, Kansas, Colorado, they kind of had a distrust of the government because the FBI, you know, was coming in. It's like, well, this is all just natural causes. You guys mm-hmm. are crazy. Yeah. Um, but also at that time, you'd see like a black car roll into town and it's the investigators and they don't say anything. And, you know, they're like, what are these weird <laughs> and men And trust black me, in here? an ag community that's not, yeah, yeah you, somebody new run, rolls into town, everybody's going to know it. Yeah, so you, so you have like uh, Special Agent Smith out of Denver and they're saying, go down to the, you know, go down to New Mexico or go down to the Valley and, and look right. into these cattle mutilations. He's you know, big city special agent, he rolls in in his black government car and suit. Yeah. And then everybody talks about it. And then they kind of get this distrustful. <laughs> so, so the, the other conspiracy behind the cattle mutilations that's out there is that they, they claim that during the 60s, 70s, up until now, um, you know, we were testing atomic bombs. Yeah. And, um, and again, this isn't just here, this is everywhere. And they think that the government had a secret task force that would come in in black helicopters and steal the, the livestock and then do quick surgery and, and remove certain organs to see if radiation had spread. And then they just <laughs> dropped them out of a helicopter. So they, they would like, yeah, pick so up they would the, just drop yeah, them. They pick up a, a cow in a helicopter, do quick surgery, and then, you know, take its blood to test for radiation and, I don't know, weird organs. And then fly over and just drop it out of a helicopter. So that that's another. I, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think I I tend to believe aliens first. Yeah, I would. Uh, that would make more, aliens to me would make more sense than the government doing that. Yes, I mean, I yes. think that the government has better resources for scientific experimentation. So I'm yeah. going to go with the alien. Yeah, I, I, I leave it up to aliens. Let's leave it up too. to aliens. And and that movie, um, Cowboys and Aliens. With Harrison Ford yes. and Daniel Craig, yeah, it feels a lot when you watch that. It feels a whole lot like the San Luis Valley. Yes, it does. And they, they actually made a horror movie. It's a found footage film about aliens and government cover-ups in Alamosa. I forget what it's called. It's really bad. I wouldn't even <laughs> look for it. But I saw one night. It's like 
you know, string of cattle mutilations in Alamosa, Colorado, this, uh. you know, one of those, but um, it, it's interesting. Uh, it also, again, the UFO watchtower, I can't, everybody should go see that once and yes. go by the sand dunes because the yes. sand dunes are there, which is another anomaly because you have these sand dunes in the middle of the mountains that have Just, been there forever. Yeah. And it's like nowhere else. Um, you know, get into the weird stuff. You have a, a drive-in down there in the valley that you can stay in a hotel room and watch, and watch a movie. Yes. I've done that a few times, which is a blast. Um, Cooper have, Hot Springs. Yeah, you have that. You have the alligator farm. The alligator farm. Love the alligator farm. There used to be a tiger farm. I don't know if there's still a tiger farm down there. Maybe now the Tiger King's out. Maybe yeah, there's. Maybe, yeah, maybe but, they'll bring that back. But um, so if you just go, to, I recommend everybody just spend a couple days in the San Luis Valley. Go to Crestone, see yes. everything. Go talk to people. Eat great food and see all these interesting sites. Like where else? In Colorado, would you go see a, a shrine to Buddha? Oh. Down there. There. Yeah. Or um, Stations of the Cross. Yeah, Stations It's down there. there. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, Huberto Mestis. Yes. He's an artist on that. Great local artist down there. Um, and coming out of the valley, I think there's one that we have to talk about that you know more about than I do. Bishop's Castle. <laughs> Tell everybody what Bishop's Castle is. I love this. Okay, so Jim Bishop um, is one of the more interesting and fascinating men um, around. So uh, about 40, 45 years ago, he starts to build this castle with rock um, that he found. And he's always sideways with the government, right? Because he just (laughs) sort of, like he bought this property and then he got this rock and he really wanted to do something um, to, to his wife, Phoebe. This was really kind of thing. So he starts to build this castle and he's built it. He is, and he will tell you that he is the castle builder. Um, and he's the only one like that single-handedly has done this. And what's really um, interesting about it is um, he's really, he's just persevered. <laughs> Um, he's constantly um, entertaining. He will go off on anti-government uh, rhetoric. He'll scream and holler and cuss and, and do all those sorts of things. Uh, a few years ago, when I was the director for the Chamber of Commerce in the Greenhorn Valley, we had gotten together with um, with uh, one of my buddies uh, that was doing some work for Right Telephone, and we decided to go do an interview with Jim. He is the best person to interview ever because you can just say something and he'll just go on and you can get him off on something else and he'll just he'll talk about all of these crazy things and then every once in a while um i would go up there to the castle and if i was bored and he was there i'd be like hey and and i'd kind of get him going just for the entertainment Mm -hmm. of everybody who's there it's one of the most amazing places you've ever been to if you have not been to bishop's castle it's not to be missed and i encourage you to go sooner rather than later because um, Jim is getting older. His body has been beat up. Um, if you've ever, I've witnessed him like sort of placing a rock mm-hmm. and it defies all laws of physics and gravity. Um, the way he does this and the way he's built it. Um, it's super scary, but look, look it up. It's one of the, um, speaking of that, this is, uh, you know, he's building this castle with no blueprints, no, no plan. He just builds it. And then, uh, here's a quote from him that he recently said. 
Um, everything just seems to work. What's real neat about not having blueprints is that if you make a mistake, you call it art. Yes. That's exactly like him. No, he's, he's, he's like that. I'm a little bit worried. I don't know that I'm going to go up there after he dies. Um, I don't know that it's still going to be standing. I think it's like his faith or some, there's some supernatural force that keeps that thing put together that nobody understands. Um, there's a great article, I think it's in Colorado Life, um, but it's a, it was like September or August or July and August um, issue of that. Um, but he's he has done this very, very cool thing. Um, and I'm not saying I've ever been up there at night. And I'm not saying anything like that, but it is a creepy place at night um, because you never know what's going on around there. Um, and I'm kind of a klutz. So even now I get a little bit nervous um, about going up there, um, but it's, it's actually a really cool place. So there's a, a, just a whole lot of really cool places to see um, and, and things you're going to discover mining things in, in the area um, really great stories, lots of movies, and um, so it's going to surprise you. Um, another one that's here in Pueblo really quick I want to talk about, because I think this is one of the more interesting things, the history of it, is um, Water Tower Place. Um, Water Tower Place used to be the old packing plant, um, and the history that goes into there and the history of, of Pueblo and this entire area is just so, so crazy. Um, people have, they take it for granted. They have no idea how much there really is here, how um, this entire area was really big on um, sort of <clears throat> stop off place to how the West was won. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe someday we'll talk about the Espinosa brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting ready to make a movie about the Espinosa brothers who um, I would have, I would be just, I would be several generations later related to Um the like the first mines were in in Florence and Fremont County, mm-hmm. um, first oil that was drilled, all in the Action Twenty Two area. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the Goodnight Trail came through. <gasps> yeah, talk about Trails that for Goodnight, a second. Um, part of the Oregon Trail um, came through the area. In fact, here in Pueblo, we have the historic Goodnight Barn. It's right. going out towards the Pueblo Reservoir. Um, you know that that came through. Um, just the the bricks that built America came from Pueblo. Yeah. Um, you know, the valleys fed half of America with potatoes for right. generations. Um, you know, you have the, the Coors family and all the, the barley and from the San Luis Valley, you're drinking Colorado barley when there's, you drink a beer. There's been also some crazy, um, massacres here. The Ludlow massacre. Lot, yeah. yeah. There was, um, when they were, First settling Pueblo, there was a Apache mm-hmm. um, came after and killed a bunch of. Um, there's just some really interesting things. Yeah, about yeah, the valley. No, it's a very historic place, and, and people tend to forget that, especially Southern Colorado. We were the capital of Colorado for years. Yeah, and then you know even more so than Denver up north, and then eventually that kind of changed, and and then also with there you have all these immigrants coming in from overseas to south of the borders oh. that bring their culture and heritage and stories and, and stories it's so crazy 
Well, if you enjoyed this particular episode of Action 22, uh, let us know at admin at action22.org and we'll start putting some more stories into our formats each week. Um, next week, we are going to be hearing um, from Michelle Gardner, who's going to talk about uh, the redistricting and the help that we need from you to make sure that Southern Colorado has a seat on the redistricting commissions. We'll also be talking with uh, Connect for Health Colorado, the open enrollment for Connect for Health Colorado for insurance um, will start November 1st. We'll be talking with them. Um, this has been such a fun episode, Brian. Thank you so much for putting all this together um, and telling us all these great stories. This has been an Action 22, making action happen on the Voice America Network. Thanks again for listening. You can join us and, and listen anytime um, on the Voice America uh, website. Just look for Making Action Happen and you can listen to it on demand. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your host, Sarah Blackhurst, for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.